the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, I'm Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles, and I have a question for you. What are you doing on Sunday night, June 20th at 6.30 p.m.? We have the Dove Award-winning five-man band, the Katinas. I want you to check yeah. your calendar. Mark it up. June 20th at 6.30 p.m. That's our nighttime service. We call it the day one service. It's Sunday night, June 20th. Make sure you bring an unsafe friend. That's the Katina's Live for free. Check us out at CoreChurchLA.org. That's CoreChurchLA.org. And may God richly bless you. There's a time in a believer's life that we need to get alone with God. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. See, it's not like rocket science here. You don't have to be a, a major, you know, Bible theologian here. When you do what God says to do, it brings God's blessing on your life. See, many times we just want to claim the blessings of God. We want to, you know, we want to pray the blessings of God on ourselves. Well, listen, all you do is obey God, do what he says in his word, and the blessings of God will come upon you. I like what the Bible says in Proverbs 8:32. He says, "Now therefore, O sons, listen to me, for blessed are those who keep my ways." Blessed or happy, happy is the person who keeps my ways. God said, hey, you want my blessings on you? You want my favor? You want my angels to stand guard around you? Then do what I've asked you to do. Go where I ask you to go. Do the things that I've told you to do, and my blessings will be upon you. Yet notice so here how Esau, after seeing this whole blessing go down on his younger brother again, realizing that Jacob received all this favor from his father, now he tries a pathetic and desperate attempt to regain the praise of his father. So he goes to Ishmael's family, his father's half-brother, as you remember, he was the son that was born to uh, Abraham through the maid Hagar. So he was the half-brother of Isaac here. He's trying to right 
the wrong that he did by marrying the two heathen women because he knows that really torqued his parents. He knows that it grieved and broke their heart. So so he marries this Mahalath, this daughter of his uncle, basically, you know, Ishmael. And so Esau only did this, and the only reason he did this, it was a feeble attempt to gain, again, back the favor of Isaac. Like somehow I can manipulate this situation and get the blessing to come back to me. Because in the midst of this, he still kept the other two heathen wives. So this was just a a maneuver, you know, politically correct maneuver. I'm just going to act like I'm doing the right thing. He never got rid of the two other wives, you know. And so he tries to do this thing. But, you know, listen, God has already rejected Esau. There's no... There's no getting around it. You know, remember Esau, the last time he said he sought that blessing with tears and it just wasn't going to happen. Now, obviously, this is not going to have any effect on his position at all. And I think that we need to learn a point from this ourselves. We can always learn from everything. In fact, I find myself uh, learning more from when people do things wrong than when people do things right. I don't know why that is with me, but when I watch somebody and they're doing something wrong and then they get totally burned by it, I'm like, hmm, I don't want to do that because I don't want to get burned by the same thing they got roasted on, okay? But know this, making an outward change when there is really no inward effect in our own heart is just a waste of time. For God not only sees our deeds, but he also searches our hearts at the same time. So if you're just trying to do something outwardly to manipulate a situation and look good, but your heart's not in it, understand, God searches our hearts. He knows us. He knows everything we do. In fact, the Bible says in the judgment time, when we stand before the Lord, he's like, we're not just being judged on what we did but we're being judged on the motive of the heart of why we did it. So you could do the right thing. Yes, I went and mowed my neighbor's lawn because they're not feeling well, or I went and did this, or I helped an old lady across the street and whatever. And there there could be a ton of good deeds. Just name one of them. But if you did it to be seen of men, yes, if I do this, I'll look good and I'll get pats on the back. Guess what? There's no reward for that in heaven. Because God knows your heart. You just did it to be seen of men. So it's like, you know, take your pat on the back because there's no reward in heaven. Oh, I I wrote a big old check and gave it to the church. And here's the check. And I let people know how much I gave. It's like, well, you know what? There's no reward in heaven for that. Because, you know, it's like you did it from a bad heart, from a wrong motive. That's why God says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Meaning if you're going to do things for the Lord and you want him to be glorified in that, then just do it as unto him. That's what it means. Don't do it to be seen of men. Do it to be seen of God. If you do it any other way, then you know what? God's just like, well, you know what? Have your pat on the back, whatever your glory is telling other people of all the great things you did, because there is no reward for that in heaven. Absolutely no effect on us at all. Yet if we find ourselves in sin and we truly repent of what we have done in our heart. See, if Esau would have truly repented in his heart, if he would have truly changed from the inside, and he would have tried to make amends for the things that he did wrong, then God would have forgiven him. 
Just like he'll forgive us. And if we're guilty of whatever we could be guilty of, and I'm sure with everyone watching here today, there's a a lot of guilt out there. And I'm telling you, when you truly repent before God, God will forgive you and he will cleanse you. But you have to be sincere in your heart. And then he will defend us. And then he will pour his favor upon us. Yes, in the midst of Jacob deceiving his father by listening to his mother's plan, God continues on with his plan because that was his plan that started with Abraham. Then was moved forward to Isaac. And now it was going to rest upon Jacob. And about halfway to his destination as he's making his trek to back where his mother came from, Jacob beds down for the night. And that's when he had an incredible vision, dream before the Lord. Now, that's what brings up our second point, a promise made personal. Well, let's read again here, picking up in Genesis 28. Now we'll pick up in verse 10. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and he spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and he put it under his head and he laid down in that place. Verse 12. And he had a dream and behold, a ladder was set on the earth and its top was reaching to heaven. So he's dreaming of this huge ladder going up into the heavens and behold, The angels of God were ascending and descending up and down this ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Jacob and the land in which you lie. I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you, notice how God personalizes it. He says, it's not just in Abraham. It's not in your dad. He says, in you, you personally, and in your descendants shall be all the families of the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back into this land. And I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Boy, there's a whole lot of yous in there, isn't it? Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he says, Surely the Lord is in this place. Yeah, you think? I think so. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, How awesome is this place? Yes, this place is awesome. Oh my goodness, God is speaking to me in this place. The, you know, this is none other than. The house of God, he says, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning and he took the stone that he had put under his head and he set up a pillar and he poured oil on its top and he called the name of that place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. Okay, well, we'll stop there. Well, as you can imagine, there's a lot here and let's see how it all comes back around and relates to us. But imagine this. I mean, what a promise that God is keeping here. Now, here's a guy who conned his older brother Esau out of his birthright for a bowl of bean soup. 
Then he deceived his dad into thinking that he was his hairy brother Esau by putting animal skins on him, you know, uh, and goat skins, and then tricking his dad into giving him the family blessing. So, I mean, he's kind of got to this place through lies and deception. Now, he has to get out of Dodge. He has to get out of his own city, his own little town there that they've created here, because his brother wants to kill him now for what he's done. So his mother, Rebecca, knowing that, went to his father and and had him sent away, using the excuse of getting a wife that believed in the living God, which was a half-truth, because that was true, you know, which uh, was a real reason, and it was a part of it. But the reason that drove her to that decision sooner than later was, again, because Esau wanted to kill him. But here we are, with all of that said, and all of that in the background here, we have Jacob laying down and going to sleep. And God gives him this incredible dream. And there's a ladder, and it's between earth and heaven. I mean, what a picture we have here of how God so desires to communicate with you and with me. Verse 12 says that the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, that's interesting. God has his hand on what's going on here in planet earth as angels are going back and forth you know back and forth dealing with man and god and his will having done here you know the bible says in hebrews 13 2 it says do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it I think this has happened to me actually many times where there's just those times when when you're in a certain situation and something happens and it just happens at the same time when you're doing something and all of a sudden an angel is working in our favor. You know, it reminds me of the time that I was I was getting washed up against these rocks. I had been out snorkeling for a long time down in Mexico, and and I was totally wore out, and I was getting getting ready to get washed up on these rocks, and and I was just like, oh my goodness! And the 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 current was taking me as a riptide, and it was taking me into these rocks, and it was giant rocks, and the waves were crashing, and I got up around five feet from them, and I knew the next wave was going to crash me into these barnacle-filled rocks and everything, and I remember just going like this, oh Lord Jesus, and I just, oh, you know, and I was ready to hit, you know, because you just know this is going to hurt. It's going to be painful. And I was like, oh, and all of a sudden, huh, wait, I didn't hit yet. And I, I opened my eyes and I'm like 40 feet away from the rocks. And I'm just thinking like, you know what? I think I just entertained an angel. I think he just picked me up and airlifted me over. There was another time that I was talking to someone outside of a Taco Bell down the street from Harvest Christian Fellowship. And he ended up saying something to me. It was just really incredible. It's like, you know, speaking to my heart. And I'm like, that's weird. And I remember kind of looking away and I looked back at the guy and he was gone. And I'm just thinking like, I think that was an angel, you know. So there's just times that God actually lets angels be seen by us because we know that angels can put on the skin of men because that's exactly what happened here a little earlier in genesis when they went in to deliver lot out of sodom you know uh where god was going to destroy that city with fire and so he sent angels in they were dressed as men and they came in and they had to literally grab lot his wife and his two daughters and drag them out so there's times that angels are around us and it's like you know they look just like men so you wouldn't just know it but 
They are angels unaware, just like he says there in Hebrews 13. But I just want to point out here, we got to be careful in Los Angeles here, because the stranger you think that might be an angel could actually be a thief, and he wants to rip you off. So <laughs> make sure that you know, you're not too friendly with strangers, because it might not be an angel. But anyway, this is what we're told by Jesus in Matthew 7:15. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And you could be thinking, someone's so sweet. They're like an angel from God sent down. It's like, no, they're a ravenous wolf, and they want to rip you off. That's why the Bible tells us in, in Matthew ten sixteen, he says, Be as shrewd as a serpent and innocent as a dove. That's how we are called to operate as Christians. Be as shrewd as serpents. Because, you know, people are always going to be there to rip you off. And let me tell you, as soon as people hear that I'm a pastor, if I'm buying something or whatever, as soon as they hear that I'm a pastor, oh, hey, brother, God bless you. How you doing? You know, it's like, uh, are you a Christian? Are you just saying that? Are you just trying to get me to buy this thing? I mean, you just have to be careful because a, a person's fruit will always come out. But be shrewd as a Christian. Every time I look to buy something, I'm looking to get the best deal. I'm looking at the contract. I go, what are you giving me? What, are, what is this before I hand over a deposit or whatever? And I want to pray about it. And if they say, oh, no, you got to get it right now. You got to sign right now. You know what? That's a good sign to wait. Hurry up and wait. Just be shrewd. Don't just sit there and listen to anyone. Oh, yes, brother. Yes, this is the best deal around. You don't have to shop around. Yes, our solar panels are better than anyone else's and sign this contract for the next 30 years. And none, no, slow down. <laughs> there might be a better deal out there. Be shrewd as serpents. But anyway, then it said in verse 13 that the Lord himself stood at the top of the ladder, which you would expect that. And the Lord's at the top. And now God... What does he do here with Jacob? Now, this is so awesome of the Lord. The Lord reaffirms the promises that he first made with Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. Now, he's saying, look, look, I'm making this promise that's going to go down through the generations. Now, I made it to Abraham, but now I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to your grandfather right now, Jacob. I'm talking to you, and I'm reaffirming my promise to you. God said, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. This is the first time that God has spoken to Jacob. I'm sure he had heard many stories from his parents, but now God is speaking to him personally. What a blessing this is. For God cares about each and every one of us, and he cares about us individually, and he will speak to us through his word or in a still small voice to each one of us if we are really willing to seek after him. Are we willing to seek after him and to listen? You know, when I get up every morning, I have my Bible devotions. I mean, I, I'm going through a, a devotional, and then I read in my Bible. And uh, in fact, I just got done reading through the Bible this year. I just finished it this morning. Okay. So anyway, so now I'm going to be doing some other things now, but every day I read and, you know, I want to pray and I want to listen to the Lord. And, and many times when God speaks to me, he is speaking to me through his word. He's speaking, you know, the things, you know, just say I'm reading a scripture and I'm thinking, well, how would that, how does that relate to me? Then he'll, he might say something that relates to me and what have you. Uh, but it's, it's about waiting on him. It's about listening. It's about 
praying. It's like, you know, you pray about things. It's not just, you know, God, I want, I want, I want. You're my vending machine, which art in heaven. No, it's like, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. What do you have to say to me? Like, what, what should I do here? And, I, and I'll always pray things like, you know, Lord, I'm just not that smart of a guy, so I need you to speak to me in a way that I can get it because I'm a little thick sometimes. I'm a little dense, and Lord, I don't just get the obvious sometimes, like looking for the car keys. Honey, where's the car keys? Did you look on the microwave? Yeah, yeah, I did. Is there not? And she comes down, these on the microwave? Oh, oh, yeah, that's, you know, sometimes we don't get it. So it's like we have to wait on the Lord. We have to, we have to pray. We have to listen. But here's the good news. God will speak to us. He will speak to you. And I've never heard the audible voice of God. I've never heard some voice out of heaven or whatever. But there's times that God speaks to me in a way, and I know that it's him. One of the ways when we were buying this building, God says, you know, you're going to buy that building. I'm going to give you that building. And guess what? God gave us this building. We bought this building. We didn't have money, but God still, amen, it happened. And I listened and God, and I just said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go forward because I believe you're going to give us this building. And guess what? God gave us this building. This isn't some, you know, worthless building down in the worst part of LA. No, we're a half mile south of Beverly Hills on the busiest North and South street of LA, right next to the 10 freeway. This is prime real estate. They say three things about real estate. Number one, a location. Number two, location. Number three, location. And we have all three of them right here. So God didn't give us the worst. He gave us the best of the land here on the west side of L.A. But it's like, again, God spoke that. But in order for God to speak something to you, you have to be there. You have to spend time with him. You have to have an ear to want to hear. So let me just ask you the obvious question after seeing what I just said. Do you listen to God? Are you listening to him? Do you have an ear that has antennas up trying to hear what God says? See, notice where he spoke to Jacob. Haran was about 500 miles from his home, so it was a long journey. He was in the middle of no man's land. Where was Jacob? He was alone. He was possibly afraid. Remember, his brother Esau, he was the man's man. Remember, he was the hunter. He was the outdoorsman out in the willy bushes, you know, with his bow and arrow shooting big game and all of that. He was the man's man, you know. But Jacob, no, he hung out in the tents making cookies with his mother, okay? So he's out on his own now in the middle of, you know, no man's land, you know, maybe some sounds at night. You know, when it gets dark, you can't see, and you're a little spooky out at night. Yet now, in Jacob's weakness, that's when God speaks to him. How can we learn from this? And what can we learn from this? Well, we can learn a lot from this, obviously. Like there's a time in a believer's life that we need to get alone with God. When's the last time you got alone with God? When's the last time you just had some time with God and that's it? I remember as a young believer, I had this brand new little Ford Courier pickup. I'm, I'm dating myself because they, they didn't make the Courier pickup. This is way before the Ford Ranger, okay? That was when there was a rebadged Mazda, which has nothing to do with our study, but I just thought I'd throw out that little fact for you. But anyway, trivia here. But I remember I got this brand new little Courier Ford pickup, and I, I drove up to like Victorville out in the middle of no man's land, and I, I just drove off the road, and I seen some dirt road, and I just took off back in the... 
middle of the woolly bushes. And then I got way back there in the middle of no man's land. And I just got in the bed of the truck and just laid down. And I was looking up at the sky. And it's just all the stars out there. You're in the high desert. And it's just seeking the Lord. I mean, when's the last time you just got alone with God? Plus, in those times of fear, in those times of aloneness, I think we've all had those times, right? You know, there's times when we're like a V8 running on 12 cylinders. Everything's going great. Then there's other times when you're fearful and afraid. You're like a V8 running on two cylinders. Hey, what up the other six cylinders? I don't know, man. They're dead holes, man. This thing ain't working too good. That's when we, more than ever, should draw close to the Lord. That's when we should dive the deepest into God's word and to prayer. Man, when we don't know what's happening, man, we don't know what's going on. We're upside down right now. This is a time when believers need to be praying and diving into God's word. Yes, God will meet us in our weakness. I like the reality of Ecclesiastes 9:11. It says, "Again, I saw under the sun, that the race is not always to the swift, and the battle is not always to the warriors, and neither is bread to the wise, nor wealth to the discerning, for favor to men of ability, for time and chance overtakes them all. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 